Welcome to the Linder Farm Network Field Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lemke. The global push to decarbonize is impacting nearly every sector of the economy, especially transportation. Once shunned by large industries like shipping and rail, biofuels are now in strong demand as companies strive to lower their carbon footprint. Biofuels aren't limited to ground transportation. Biofuels in the form of sustainable aviation fuel are taking to the skies. Tom Berry with Clean Fuels Alliance America joins this Field Talk podcast as we talk sustainable aviation fuel. Well, sustainable aviation fuel is made with the uh, same feedstocks as renewable diesel, biodiesel. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's fairly similar to renewable diesel. They use the hydro treating process uh, to make it, which, you know, they're cracking the carbon chain. And then rearranging them to mimic a diesel molecule, or in this case, a jet fuel molecule. So uh, it's 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 the same technology that petroleum refiners basically use today. So uh, just using feedstock, soybean oil, used cooking oil, corn oil from ethanol plants. And so with this technology, they can uh, uh, <clears throat> you know make pretty much whatever fuel you need. So. Uh, SAF, uh, it, it takes a little more feedstock than biodiesel and even renewable diesel. Uh, you know, about, I don't know, a pound of bean oil will get you 0.9 pounds of biodiesel. A pound of soybean oil will give you about 0.7 of, uh, renewable diesel. And then, you know, same pound of soybean oil will give you about 0.6 or so for SAF. So, uh, um, um. You know, I could explain the chemistry to you, but uh, it would be hard for me to do that since I just, I always kind of struggle with it myself. Uh, uh, basically, it's all about car- organic chemistry and carbon or uh, 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 carbon chains and, 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 and bonds, carbon bonds. So uh, um, with that, but uh, you can do it. It's being used right now. Um, we, uh, Clean Fuels Alliance America, we do represent biodiesel, renewable diesel, and sustainable aviation fuel. Uh, we have uh, one of our longtime members, World Energy, uh, has a plant out in Los Angeles area, uh, Paramount to be exact. Uh, I was just there last week, Dan, and uh, they, they make, uh, last several years, they've been making four, five to eight million gallons of SAF a year out of that facility, but uh, they're undergoing a two billion gallon expansion, or they, they prefer conversion into a, where it'll make, could make up to 300, 350 million gallons of SAF and renewable diesel. So it's pretty exciting um, to see this. It's, it's a great, it's a great potential market for soybean growers with their soybean oil and the and, and uh, uh, even corn oil, of course, uh, out of coming out of ethanol plants. Now, how does this fit in? I mean, you explained that we can you know, still make the biodiesel, still make the uh, renewable diesel. Um, the process is just a little bit different. Is this uh, just another complementary product and another uh, you know, marketing channel for uh, renewable fuels such as uh, SAF? Oh, absolutely. It certainly is. There's so much excitement around using SAF or what we call sustainably aviation fuels a, a short version of it um yeah there, there's a, a, a the airlines have uh, international and domestic uh, uh goals and pressure to go to more sustainable low carbon fuels uh, especially on international flights uh our our uh, u.s carriers if they're on international flights uh into europe they they have uh they've had to sign on to 
carbon reduction agreements. It's called CORSIA, uh, uh, Carbon Offsetting and Reduction Scheme for International Aviation. So they have to have neutral carbon growth over 2019. So they, they, they have to, they can't have any more carbon emissions than what they had in 2019. Uh, and then on domestic, on the domestic side, uh, the uh, Biden administration has uh, put out a grand challenge that <clears throat> will have 3 billion gallons of sustainable aviation fuel used by 2030. And uh, on top of that, there's a lot of uh, 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 pressure from the envir- uh, environmental social governance uh, uh, um, uh, drive, uh, ESG drive. Uh, a lot of the investors uh, want to see more environmental social governance uh, um, uh, commitments. Uh, BlackRock, the biggest fund investor out there is it's a requirement now so uh so you know we we have domestic uh uh goals that's just a goal on the domestic side with the grand challenge that's a memorandum memorandum of understanding uh within the federal government to reach that goal so it's not a law but internationally it is a, a a requirement to not have any carbon growth and plus the money the capital uh there's more and more requirements uh <clears throat> Uh, special airlines to reduce their carbon growth. They want access to capital or at least, you know, uh, the lower cost access to capital. So with all that, we're seeing a lot of activity, a lot of announcements that airlines are committing to using more and more SAFs. Um, <clears throat> just this morning, I read the news. Uh, there's a company out of California, Ametis. They signed an agreement, 38 million gallons of SAFs per Cathay Pacific. So you see a lot of those headlines. So there's not a lot of actual. Uh, uh, um, there's the only only company now that's broke ground to make SAF uh, is World Energy, and uh, they you know they they're building on their existing uh, customer base. Uh, if if any of your listeners have flown in and out of Los Angeles LAX, uh, the airport there, they've uh, there's some percentage of their fuel. Uh, in that airplane is using sustainable aviation fuel, sometimes up to 5%. So, um, and, uh, you know, California likes to uh, be the leader in carbon reduction efforts. And there's a bill sitting on Governor Newsom's desk, AB1322, that would require 20% SAF by 2030 out of all all um, all jet fuel use. And uh, they use 5 million gallons a day out of LAX. So just think about that. Um, you know, so there's, there's a whole bunch of interest. Um, it is a definitely a new market opportunity. I mean, uh, you know, there, we, our main team stocks for biodiesel renewable SAF or soybean oil, corn oil, used cooking oil, animal fats, a little bit of canola. Uh, but Dan, if you think about it, there's, you know, uh, used cooking oil, we're not going to use, that's not going to no matter how big a demand is, uh, we're not going to get any more used cooking oil or animal fats or even corn oil uh, ethanol plants. But, you know, soybean oil uh, can respond to that uh, market signal. And if, you know, the soybean farmers are getting better prices, they will grow more soybeans and make more soybean oil. I know there's sea companies, there's companies out there looking to see how we get more oil out of soybeans. So, um, so going forward, soybean oil is going to be playing more and more of an important role uh, in these new markets, uh, renewable diesel, SAF, and and biodiesel. And, and we've also seen 
other large transportation uh, sectors such as the railroads, um, shippers looking more at you know biodiesel, renewable diesel. Now the uh, airlines as well. Is this all driven by the the need to reduce carbon emissions? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, and and you know for your listeners, we we, we, we biodiesel is not being left uh, on the side of the road, so to speak. Not at all. It's uh, uh, I, I've been around biodiesel for now 30 years, and I have never seen the opportunities better for biodiesel than it is today. And I'm saying that because, uh, just like you said, Dan, there's there's new markets, marine and rail, home heating oil, uh, that want biodiesel. They don't want renewable diesel. Renewable diesel costs a little more, and um, biodiesel is, is a great application for, for these industries. So, um yeah, I just uh, talked to, uh, you know, we our, our uh, uh, member of Clean Fuels, Alliance America, Chevron REG. Uh, uh, the, the gentleman that runs that is a, uh, has been working for Chevron for 30 years. Uh, he uh, is a, 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 grew up on a farm in Iowa, still farms in Iowa, takes every October off to farm in Iowa. So uh, he's uh, heading up Chevron REG, and uh, I was had a chance to talk to him at the Farm Progress show not too long ago. And he is, uh, yeah, they're in, they're in talks with uh, companies like Amazon who wants to decarbonize their entire supply chain. That means, you know, the ship coming out of China with, with the uh, merchandise, they want to see lower uh, carbon emissions from that ship. And then the, 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 the rail coming out of Long Beach into the Midwest, they want to see that carbon reduction uh, in, 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 in locomotives. And then, of course, the last mile with the trucks as well. So, yeah, we uh, the marine and rail market has has uh, we have interacted with both industries for quite a while. Um, we actually worked with the marine industry to get a B seven, a biodiesel spec for seven percent uh, in marine shipping, and and after that, um, after you know the the, the the organization that that's in charge of that is based out of Europe. It's called the International Standard Organization (ISO) for short. Uh, they said, well, thank you. We appreciate your help, but we are done with biodiesel. We don't want to talk to you ever again. <laughs> so it was just about that blunt. And this is, that all flipped, uh, about a year, over a year ago. And it's like, they're calling our technical team and said, oh, we got to work with you guys. We want a B50 spec. We want a, a spec up to B100 for marine application. And so we're in the process of doing that. And then similar, kind of a similar story with rail. Um, we've been working with the, the, the big, uh, you know, the major rail lines for quite a while and working with locomotive maintenance officer associations and that. Um, and so we, we've had a B5 spec in place for rail for quite a while. We wanted to get it to B20. And we are now seeing that with the major uh, locomotive engine manufacturers like Lat, uh, Web, uh, Webtech and Progress Rail. They, uh, they're now up to B20 and uh, their customers want to go above that because they're a, you know, a B20 will probably give you 15, 18% carbon reduction. So they want to get up to B40, B50, uh, B100 to get the capture those additional carbon reductions. So, uh, you know, there's other alternative fuels out there that, that, that marine and rail could use, electric, uh, green hydrogen, green methanol. Um, but, you know, from what I can gather, most of the time, Dan, they're, they're more expensive, less efficient, and they have some uh, significant safety re- concerns. So uh, we really, biodiesel is really in a, a catbird seat uh, uh, as far as marine and rail. Uh, I know uh, 
there's some major uh, railroads we're working with. They're doing B100 demonstrations right now. So uh, I'm excited about where the industry is going. I, I, we're going to need more soybean oil to grow our industry. That's, I think, our, our biggest limiting uh uh bottleneck i guess you would say on on how we can where we can go with this industry but you know uh the american soybean farmers are you know american farmers are the best in the world you put a market out there they're going to fill it and it's got to be gratifying for you obviously with folks here in minnesota familiar with the kind of the the advent of biodiesel and sometimes the leading edge is the bleeding edge some of the battles that uh, you know growers and and industry folks went through to uh, get biodiesel going and and accepted and used by folks it's got to be gratifying to see not necessarily the tables turned but how it has gone from something that uh, was maybe a niche product that folks are trying to get introduced to being something that's very much in demand in all sorts of different sectors. No, yeah, you're absolutely right, Dan. It is very gratifying, and and Minnesota soybean, uh, uh, Minnesota soybean growers have been on the bleeding leading edge, as you, as you say. Absolutely, first uh, first real market we had was the Minnesota uh, biodiesel mandate that uh, that that the uh, the council and the association pushed. You know, Mike Youngerberg is. Uh, outstanding uh, pioneer rock star of the biodiesel industry there at the Minnesota Soybean Board. And, uh, yeah, and so th- those those were the early steps. I mean, the renewable diesel guys will tell you, no biodiesel, there wouldn't be a renewable diesel. So uh, it was a pioneering effort, and it was led by Minnesota. Uh, they should take a lot of pride in, in being on the leading edge. Um, and they, they had a lot of the, the initial discussions with markets like rail came out of the the work that Minnesota Soybean Board has been doing up there with the, the mandate. So we, we learned a lot as a whole national industry from what Minnesota has done. And also, you know, these low carbon markets. I mean, that I think, uh, I don't know, ten over 10 years ago, Dan, I think Mike Youngerberg called us up. She said, what do you know about this low carbon fuel standard? And so I think ever since then, we have been heavily committed out in California and uh, positioning biodiesel and renewable diesel into that uh, very key piece of uh, uh, state law they put out there. So, uh, you know, hats off to Minnesota soybean growers and uh, Tom Slinica and Mike Youngerberg and the whole crew there there at uh, at Mankato. Uh, We still work with them very closely and and rely on them. Um, But uh, very exciting times. Um, Well, what I, what I, I just, you know, one of the byproducts, here, I want to put a, a framework here uh, I think it's really cool for soybean farmers to take a look at. You know, bio, Because of biodiesel, it, it led to renewable diesel, now sustainable aviation fuel. When, when they take a pound of soybean oil and they put it in the renewable diesel process, they're making renewable diesel. But they're also, uh, one of the byproducts is naphtha, which is it's basically a component of gasoline, and also propane. And so I'm telling soybean farmers, it's like, now look, we got soybean oil now is going into diesel fuel, jet fuel, home heating oil, uh, and gasoline. So I don't, and, and, and propane. And so uh, renewable propane. So I don't know what, uh, I mean, there's so many opportunities in each of those areas. I was talking to uh, a fuel distributor out in uh, San Diego, Pearson Fuels. He has, he's mostly an E85 distributor. They have 300 locations. E85 and um, the uh, but he's all he's all renewable now he's it's 85% ethanol 15% renewable naphtha coming out of renewable diesel plants 
so uh, there are 300 locations in Southern California that you can get nothing but 100% renewable gasoline. Uh, why, 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 why do people want that? Well, uh, when I was out in uh, San Diego a month ago, it was 650 for a gallon of gasoline. If you're buying his uh, E85 renewable naphtha, it's uh, about three dollars cheaper. So uh, obviously, there's a lot of interest. Then on the on a diesel side, he's selling nothing but renewable and biodiesel blend. So you know, the World Energy, who makes who who makes renewable diesel, uh, doesn't sell anything without 20% biodiesel in it. So that is the uh, blend of kind of the diesel fuel for uh, 80% renewable diesel, 20% bio uh, out in California. So, so we, uh, we, we got a lot of interest, a lot of opportunities out there, um, and uh, it's going to grow. It's growing in the, the uh, Oregon and Washington have both adopted the low-carbon fuel standards similar to California. So uh, I know New Mexico, Colorado, uh, I know Minnesota, Mike Youngerberg involved in been in, involved in discussions about a Midwest low carbon fuel standard. Um, so uh, don't know if that's going to go anywhere or not, but there's interest. Uh, I know there's interest on the uh, East Coast for these low carbon fuel standards. Um, so lots of opportunities, Dan, and uh, we're hoping for uh, the soybean crop. We'll have a uh, uh, we hope we have a good one. We hope. Uh, the Watsi report came out and kind of trimmed it back a little bit. And but I'm talking to traders; they think uh, they might uh, might be maybe a little more op- optimistic than what the last report was. We're hoping so. We need the bean oil. Our our producer members want more soybean oil. They want lower carbon soybean oil. Um, we got to address issues. There's you know uh, when you're using an edible soybean oil, there's you know there's always questions: Are are we using food for fuel? You have to address that. Um, you know, we have to address the technical barriers to get the higher blends of biodiesel into these markets. Home heating oil folks are wanting to go to higher and higher blends of biodiesel out in the, mostly in the Northeast. Um, so there's technical sustainability and communication uh, work that we need to do to continue to make these opportunities happen. Uh, of course, a lot of regulatory work, um, a lot of, uh, you know, as they say, double in the details with these state uh, proposed regulations are, are put out there uh you know sometimes they're hundreds of pages so you have to you know we have a team that works uh to dive deep in that and see see what the see what the is is good and what's not good i mean illinois passed a great incentive this uh, this past year but originally they were going to allow uh, co-processing of uh, of uh, uh in petroleum refining plants so what that means is that uh, they were going to provide an incentive uh, of, you know, reduce the sales tax on fuel. And the petroleum companies wanted to do, say, well, we want to put, like, buy soybean oil and just put it in our existing refinery, petroleum refinery, and, and we'll call it uh, renewable diesel. Um, but, you know, we got that stopped. Now, why why, why are we against that? Um, a lot of reasons. It's like that's, that's existing capacity. Why do we want to incentivize that? We want new capacity. But even more important is that, you know, you put a you put soybean oil in that process. You don't know where it's going to end up. There's all kinds of cuts or products coming out of that. You don't know if it's in the diesel and the gasoline or where it's at. So it's kind of as one uh, petroleum engineer said, it kind of bounces around in there. You never really know where it ends up. So, you know, you know they, they're going to claim it's all going to be you know renewable diesel. And we know it's not. So that's just that's not right. So 
so anyway, that's just an example of what we, 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 you know, we watch closely and make sure things like that don't happen. So uh, thanks to soybean farmers support, we were able to be in these discussions and have the information and data that we can address these type of issues. Yeah, it all started down with the soybean farmers back in 1990s, mid 90s that, that put together the National Soy Diesel Board, now National Biodiesel, now Clean Fuels Alliance of America that uh, saw the opportunity or the need to find the, the home for all this excess soybean oil that we have. But, uh, you know, driving the crush, our, our, our soybean crush is expanding by 30% over the next couple of years. So, uh, exciting times. I don't know. Yeah, it sure is, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of very exciting. It's uh, really gratifying to see, uh, See, uh, see what it's doing for our soybean farmers, which is great. Uh, they feel our primary funder of our organization are the soybean farmers, Minnesota and around the country are half our board soybean farmers. And uh, so, you know, soybean farmers are still very involved, very important and still still driving this industry forward. Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Find this and other podcasts on linderfarmnetwork.com and get the latest in farm news and markets from your local LFN affiliate.